0: board the Battleship Pretension, I am Tyler Smith.
1: I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David? Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I survived the, uh, the heat wave of uh, 115 wow. degrees, whatever the fuck it was here in, in North Hollywood. Um, I, have uh, a friend,
0: I have a friend who uh, is in Woodland Hills, and he said there... He looked at uh, a thermometer or whatever, and it said he said uh, one twenty one.
1: Yeah, so saw Woodland Hills. Up. I think yeah. was the yeah, yeah that was uh, the record for the county. I think was in Woodland Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Man, man. Um. Uh, other than that, well, look, I, I want to get to our guests. I want to get to our topic. So let me just jump right into telling you about dot com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, Tyler, I was listening to, still listening to that Adrian Lanker song I was talking about last week, mm-hmm. uh, new music. Uh, from New Order uh, uh, this week, new music from Arab Strap who had been uh, dormant for a long time. Um, uh, liking a lot of that stuff, I was uh, there was something in particular I was going to point out. Um, oh, a really uh, 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 touching and thoughtful um, new song called "Trauma" by the rapper. Homeboy Sandman uh, that I would definitely recommend checking out. All of it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension.
0: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Now, David, I feel bad because I always, uh, you know, I listen to things too. And I and now, granted, I usually don't care much about it. But uh, but I did want to say I used my tweaked audio earbuds to listen to all, I want to say, 46 fucking hours of Stephen King's It in audiobook form uh, read by Wings actor Stephen Webber. Um, who, yes, I guess also was in the miniseries of The Shining But uh, He's got that keen yeah. connection he, he, he sure does and, uh, and it sounded just wonderful I've been taking a lot of walks lately And, uh, and because of where I'm staying it, uh, I, I walk at night uh, And so listening to it while walking by myself oh, at yeah. night, uh, And it's crystal clear and terrifying So That's uh, awesome But I got, I got through it And uh, it's a very good book and I'm I'm glad it's over.
1: Honestly. So, <laughs> well, there anyway. you go. Well, another uh, testimonial from a happy yeah. uh, tweakedaudio.com customer, uh, Tyler. <laughs> let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> Let me introduce our our guest, uh, 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 a repeat guest here at, at, at Battleship Pretension. Um, uh, someone I love to talk to. Someone whose reviews I love to read, especially when she tweets out the links to her reviews. That are published in my hometown paper, the St. Louis Post Dispatch. <laughs> um, I I was reading. Uh, um, uh, well, yeah, let me introduce her, Katie Walsh.
2: Yes, you know the the St. Louis Post Dispatch is a loyal customer of mine. <laughs> they really, I they, I must be the number one film critic in the St. Louis area. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I'm I'm always I'm always giddy to see that 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 link, and especially I was. Um, nothing has made me happier in terms of movies over the past couple weeks than the fact that so many people like bill and ted face the music because i also really yeah. liked it and i'm so glad that people uh, are positive and so reading a mostly positive review from uk that was also in my hometown paper oh uh, yay uh, <laughs> <laughs> a very touching experience oh.
0: so is the situation that the editors at the st louis post dispatch are like we're going to have to get someone from one of the coasts because these yokels, we can't trust them to, uh, you know, to talk about movies.
2: You know, it's just the, I'm contributing to the erosion of local news sure. um, by, I mean, I, I I fully understand that it's like, I recognize that it's bad, but I'm just like, that's eh, my job. Um, yeah. I, but... think it's the,
1: I think it's the St. Saint Louis, St. Croix, st croix (laughs) yes french catholic connection uh, connection that's what it is
2: yeah um yeah i don't know i like obviously it's not great to not have uh local film critics for local papers anymore but it's Yeah, just the Tribune, News Service, Wire, Wire situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I hope you know that you, uh, as uh, the the, apparently film critic in residence of the San Luis Post Dispatch, you have my teenage dream job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And also, I don't know if I ever (laughs) told you guys this, but because my reviews were running in that paper so often, this guy from st louis who had a sports radio talk show for like a year would have me on like once a week to talk about movies or whatever so i would just like be on like st louis sports radio like once a week just being like yeah you should go check out bill and ted (laughs) (laughs) that's great i don't do that anymore because he i think like moved to a different uh market or like doesn't do the same thing anymore but Mm. i was like what this is so random i've never even been to st louis so <laughs> I've been to Columbia, but oh yeah, sure. not not STL. I flew into there, but um. Anyway, I'll have to make it there sometime. Get yeah, some, you should
1: you should go. There's a lot of great uh, history uh, get some in St. Louis.
2: Fried ravioli, toasted ravioli. Oh, Is, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: I don't know if you're claustrophobic or not, but if you are and you <laughs> want a living nightmare of an experience, might I suggest the Arch? Uh, you go inside you that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get into like a little
1: four-person, like egg-shaped uh, oh. elevator that goes at a weird angle up to the top, and then you get to walk around at the top. And there's like an observation. I mean, it's all inside, uh, but you know, observation. There's like windows you can look straight down. Uh, I, don't it's like really cool. I
2: don't like heights. I don't like heights, and I don't like small enclosed oh, spaces. Boy. So I will be skipping that. Well, um, what a lot of well, people yeah. don't.
1: What a lot of people don't know about the arches. There's also a really great museum. Uh, under uh, underneath the arch, like a uh, a basement mm-hmm. museum called the Museum true. of Westward Expansion, where it's like all the like Lewis and Clark type of uh, type of type of stuff. It's a really fascinating uh, museum down there. Um, I
2: have had another St. Louis um, delicacy, which is gooey butter cake.
1: Oh, yeah. So yeah. good. It is good. Okay. I can eat about one square of it and for like, it, and it lasts me a whole day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you, I, I could do a whole podcast on St. Louis cuisine cause it is the weirdest hodgepodge of, uh, of stuff. Um, yeah. Like a St. Paul sandwich, which is like an egg foo young on white bread sandwich. Uh, it's very, very strange. Uh, St. <laughs> Louis oddity, but very delicious. Of course, Emo's pizza, uh, which yeah. is uh, made with uh, Provel cheese, which is a cheese blend that you can't really buy outside of St. Louis. Uh, not very popular, but... um uh delicious uh i love emo's it's the uh now that my mom no longer lives in st louis i'm gonna say that emo's pizza is the thing i miss the most about st louis
2: (laughs) (laughs) now i want to go and visit when i'm allowed to travel again yeah
1: yeah let's all go
2: yeah
0: all right but we're not here to talk it also has a good it actually
1: does has one have it is known to have one of the best zoos in the country and it's always completely free it is uh completely city supported it is free to go to the zoo. Uh, at any time, and it is one of the better zoos in the in the country. Of course, now we live so close to San Diego, which is arguably the best zoo in the country. It would pale in comparison, but it is a great zoo. All right. So <laughs> I think we've covered well. The, honestly, just the tip of the iceberg of things I could talk about St. Louis, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We actually we we have a bigger topic we want to get into, but we can't uh, we can't not address the elephant in the room in in terms of film news this week, and I'm, of course, talking about uh, um, uh, Jason Momoa taking Ray Fisher's side against Joss Whedon. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm I'm so desperate to have a take on that, but like so much, I would say right now my take is that I also stand with Ray Fisher because I have no reason to disbelieve him. But until I know what the uh, details are, I I, I, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're here to talk about the new Academy rules, the rules of uh, the rules of requirement or eligibility for um, uh, for for a Best Picture nomination. Although apparently it only these requirement these the, these rules only apply to potential best, best picture nominees that are english language like fiction i believe ba- so yeah. and live action so apparently yeah. documentaries animation and foreign language films will have maybe there's like there's there's a developments to be announced later about how those will be, uh, yeah. uh, adjudicated. But, uh, for right now, uh, Tyler, you seem to, based on our pre, uh, recording, uh, discussion, you seem to be most familiar with the rules.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's to, I, I'll, I'll summarize them a little bit, but, uh, yeah. And that's, it's very much about like, it has to do with Hollywood, uh, you know, Hollywood productions. And it's very much about that aspect. So yes, uh, when it like documentary, foreign film, and I believe animated film, because of course in that instance there's a a voice situation and it's not necessarily about like visual representation and that sort of thing. So those three don't uh, don't really play into it. It's Hollywood, you know, Hollywood made or at least American made live action narrative films. Pardon me. And um, so yeah, the the I don't remember exactly what the what the levels are, but this needs to be partially implemented. Uh, in two years, and then fully implemented in four years. Who's to know if, in that time, the, the academy will will stick to this, um, or there could be a there could be pushback. Who's to say? But um, essentially, it. Well, was I mean, the, there's
1: already been pushback uh, sure. from. I would say, uh, if you want to be binary about it, from both sides of the argument, there's been pushback. Uh, yeah. On yeah. this.
0: And there might be pushback in, I don't know, 30% of the panel today. But anyway, um, (laughs) 33% roughly. Uh, But the, um, or or more, who's to say? But, um, so essentially it's that, I think it was 30%, to go back to percentages, uh, 30% of like all supporting characters, certainly leads of course, but like supporting characters or minor roles, like 30% of them uh, need to be, in order to qualify... Well, you're
1: not necessarily, you're missing the point. There are four rules and the movie only needs to meet two Two. of them. So, so what you're naming is one of the rules.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's essentially four groups. Oh, okay. So you're saying it's 30%. Yeah. It needs to be like, those characters need to be like of, uh, uh, you know, a person of color, um, somebody with like a, a disability, um, a woman, uh, or women, um, and then, or, uh, uh, LGBTQ plus, um, or the film itself needs to be about like, it, none of, like none of that has to apply if the film itself is about like a marginalized group. So it needs to be one of, uh, I, I think two of four of those things. Um, I believe. Um, and so, and in order to be eligible for best picture,
1: uh no i think you're you're uh maybe you don't know more <laughs> that, that's oh, okay. only a, what you've discussed is only one part of it oh, okay. only that's... only only one of the four requirements has to do with the content of the film okay. so so there's the uh yeah there's the uh casting or subject matter is one of them okay. but then there's also below the line crew
0: okay yeah there's I've also only heard about the on-screen stuff
1: Okay, well, that's only one of the four, though. So I'm oh, saying okay. Okay. a movie cannot do any of what you just said and meet sure. two of these other three. So uh, that the, the 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 crew, the filmmakers uh, in certain positions are above. Uh, you know, um, uh, need to there needs to be a, th- a certain percentage of of diversity in that. The third category is uh, has to do with like paid internships. Uh, and then the fourth category actually has to do with marketing, like the marketing, uh, team, the, the, uh, the PR team. Hmm. So basically they need in two of those four on screen, uh, uh, behind the camera creatives, uh, on uh, paid internships or marketing, Okay. two of those four have to have uh, a, a, a threshold of, of diversity representation. Right. So okay. it is still entirely possible for a movie to be the whitest movie in the world on screen and right. still meet this, you know, the king Speech could still do it if you've got sure. a certain number of, of interns or marketing people uh, who fit into one of the... Uh, the prescribed marginalized groups, which is, that's, that's the first part. That's a little weird that there actually is a sure. list sure. Um, that seems like, uh, the yeah. Academy coming uh, uh, across and, and saying, uh, so uh, anyway, the, uh, I, I would say my, that's why I'm mostly on the side of, uh, uh, of this because, um, uh, it seems to give a lot of leeway for, what kind of films are still made while still addressing uh, uh, a lack of diversity in the in in the industry? the major pushback I've seen from people on my side from people on the on the left um, is pointing to similar initiatives that have uh, uh, apparently already been in place in in the u k um, and making the argument that when you give an industry the uh uh mandate to meet a bare minimum it encourages them to just meet the bare minimum and 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 that's that's been a big problem that people have had with the uh the the similar rules in the uk is ba- basically saying like all right we got just to where we need to be and then that's all we're yeah. doing that's that's a that's a fear here but uh i don't know having heard it described katie uh you're the audience surrogate here because you you hadn't uh looked into this because this just broke late yesterday i think um... yeah
2: i haven't uh read that much about it because the news came out yesterday afternoon and i was on a deadline um last night so i was like i saw that there was discussion happening and i I just sort of was like, I can't dive into this right now, but um, it's interesting because I just looked at, um, so when I was in grad school at USC, I worked for, I was a research assistant for the Annenberg Inclusion Lab, which does all of these um, studies about representation in film. And I specifically worked on a study that was about um, female directors um, And uh, how challenging, it was all about directors from Sundance and how challenging it was for female directors to get their second movie made. But I just went and quickly looked at the Inclusion Initiatives Twitter to see if they had a response to this. And they are at Inclusionists on Twitter. If you want to check them out, they're so great because they just do the hard numbers. And it's like data... And they just are very good about this. And every year they study the top 100 grossing films, and they study them in terms of inclusion and diversity. So how many Latinx people are represented, how many gay people, how many disabled people, et cetera. So they really are good at um, giving you the data. But they seem to kind of be like meh about this. Uh, test or this requirement in this in for the same reason that you were saying David which is that it's like a bare minimum and they even said uh, they had a tweet that said um, 95 of the 100 top films of 2019 would meet this standard so if everyone meets the criteria how is it a challenge to do better it is the status quo so they're kind of saying it's not that hard we need to push um more
0: yeah, it's uh it's interesting hearing the rest of this because I think obviously what I what I heard about is is the stuff that people focus on which is like what is in what's on the screen. Yeah. Um and I think I also got mixed up because it talks about these four groups and then it's then it's also these four different options. Uh so I think I got mixed up there. But um yeah, hearing the whole thing I'm certainly more okay with it on principle, but it does feel like, you know, instinctively yeah, so I, I think that like the best the best way to get somebody to resent something and see what they can get away with is to require them to adhere to something, um, and and yeah, if the industry is just sort of organically already getting there, uh, partially as a function of like cultural pressure over the last uh, few years, I feel like that I feel like that's kind of enough. Um, not, not to mention like, again, like now that I know, like more of these rules, by the way, everybody, uh, I'll now mention it. Like if you're wondering like about, uh, your, your audio, it, it had to do with my mic. It didn't, it's not your computer. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, now that I know the, the further extent for this extent of the, uh, of the rules, like I'm, I'm a little bit more okay with it in general, um, because it does allow a movie like spotlight, which is about white Bostonians primarily, Um, uh, you know, a a movie like that can still qualify. That was kind of my, my issue. Um, But at the same time, I do feel like it feels, it feels, I don't know, it's to change, to change the rules of the Oscars themselves and not like have studios implement it for themselves feels almost Incorrect, but at the same time, like, I guess that, I guess it it still provides incentive one way or another for the studio to make the change. Um, Yeah, you,
2: I I see what you mean. Like, you kind of want it to come from the production side rather than like the awards side. Um, But you know, my, oh, go ahead, sorry. I don't know. That I mean, the, I, that's the end of my thought.
1: <laughs> um, well, what I, I my argument about the uh, in favor of this, rough, loosely in favor of this, I would say the the statistic you gave, Katie, from the inclusion initiative, uh, made me a little bit more sour on this. Um, but uh, my my feeling I, I, that I've said in this podcast before about these sorts of uh, of things, just li- like the academy expanding its membership and stuff like that, is that the I. The idea of the Academy or the Oscar uh, as an actual, like, purely artistic merit award is ridiculous. It's quixotic. It's folly to begin with. So why not use their reputation and their clout uh, uh, to, to to further things like like social justice? Uh, so I'm I'm for them using their power um, to 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 do these these sorts of things, but um, yeah, I am worried. the The fact that you read that statistically, ninety five ninety five percent of the movies that qualified would have qualified uh, anyway does make me worry that this could actually. Because my my what I was coming into this was like, well, at the very least, this will mean people more people who wouldn't have gotten jobs previously would have gotten jobs. But now it sounds like it could it could actually Be a drawback in some cases because, like Tyler was saying, and I was saying, like if the studio says, "like all right, we've met there, no more." All right, we've met our requirement. Now we can go back to stock, you know, filling the rest of these positions with our, you know, white friends, shitty like kids. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think I I mean, listen, I'm 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 not I'm sort of you know right down the middle on this. um, Now that we're discussing it, like I think, in a way, there should be. requirements like this and like the inclusion initiative has like pushed for things like a a, like a Rooney rule which they have in the NFL like they're like you have to interview these you know x amount of people for the job you know but I I, but and there is a sort of like lowest what's the term like doing the the least amount to just like you know oh we interviewed a woman for that job like I hear that all the time from female directors that I talk to like yeah they just brought me in so they could say yeah, they brought me in. They brought in women to. to That's how partner. I've
1: always felt about the Rooney Rule as well.
2: Yeah. Right. So you know they've 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 put forth some um, suggestions for how to change representation, but I also feel like there is an element of sort of like you want to hire someone because they're the best person for the job, and I think that even minority candidates want to feel that way too. Like yeah. I'm being hired not because I'm like a affirmative action thing, but because I'm like the person who needs to write this movie or the director who needs to direct this movie or the gaffer who needs to be the head of the department you know um so and and you have to wonder is like if it's just the academy being like please give us a pat on the back for all the work that we're doing and like is it really achieving change
0: i do have a hmm but i I do have another i'm sorry go on
2: no, I mean, I, and I'm not saying like I'm—I'm I'm, any of this is definitive. Just that uh, these are questions to sort of tangle with. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really know. I mean, I'm, I'm like sort of for it, and sort of like, okay, well, let's see how it goes.
0: I do have a, a, a thought that is a little bit sort of loftier and more conceptual, which is. You know, there's the sort. In this case, like there's a letter of the law, but then there's also like a larger spirit of the law, and the the idea of just sort of changing the way the Oscars think. Mm. And is it possible that just the concept of of the Oscars thinking in a certain way, and really trying to use what they what they are to emphasize certain things, that that could wind up. Who's to say that it could wind, that it might not wind up. Uh, just in the minds of Academy voters, just inherently favoring movies that ha- that, uh, that would attempt to, you know, uh, have certain themes or which they already kind of do. I guess if a movie has a certain social importance, the Academy tends to favor it anyway, even if it's just a head nod towards it, like green book, um, but at the same time, I just I find myself as someone who is aware and have se- and has seen more than my share of Christian films. The idea of focusing on a movie's intent more than what it's at, than what it than how it's doing something mm. uh, tends to lead to celebration of a subpar product, and I do wonder if. The psychology of the of the academy moving in this direction could lead to to focusing on what a movie's intending to do, and in the spirit of hey, let's let's uh, let's celebrate this more than a movie that could actually uh, could the movie could wind up being just purely functional from an artistic standpoint. Once again, like Green Book, uh, or uh, you know, and and wind up pushing aside movies that maybe are more. Impressive, but may not be trying to do something, quote unquote, important. So it sounds like, I mean,
1: what you're saying, or at least what I'm taking from this is that what the Academy was already doing in terms of increasing membership to be more representative of the country at large would may have, you in know, a, in a more. Uh, uh, organic, less prescriptive way ended up at the same place as, as where this is trying to, to, cause this goes back to something I was saying last week about the, about Steven Spielberg trying to get the Academy to, to not qualify, n- not allow Netflix movies to qualify and stuff. Once the Academy tries to be prescriptive or tries to force something, it's gonna make them seem smaller rather than, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Academy has some clout over movies, maybe not as much as they think sure
0: yeah especially these days
2: and to your point um tyler like it made me think of the way disney does diversity and inclusion sure drives me insane because it is total box checking it's like oh we have a lesbian character and it's like a one minute (laughs) (laughs) animated lena waith voice in in whatever that onward onward. And you're like, was the sexuality of this character, like really like integral to, yeah the character and like did it make sense it's like no but then they're just like oh and then the thing that drives me crazy is like in all of their live action remakes the girls are always obsessed with math and science and they want to (laughs) be engineers and it's like women in stem and i'm like oh it just feels so pandering like it feels so um like we're doing diversity and i'm just like yeah it doesn't make sense like none of this makes sense like so you know, it's like well, you then, want uh, the, the stories that are diverse and inclusive to be that way because they are organically that way, and they are, they are important stories to be told in the way that they are told, and and not because some giant corporation is like, people will be mad enough. There's there's no gay people in in Pinocchio yeah. or whatever, you know, so. Anyway, well, that uh, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I didn't see, I didn't see Onward, but that that sort of represent, representation seems robust compared to the Rise of Skywalker, in which like you see like <laughs> two women share a quick peck in like out of, well, out of focus in the background, and it's like, exactly. or, or like uh, Avengers exactly. Endgame, which is like, which uh, they actually like, sure. End actually says like, or or the I think someone from Disney actually said like this is the the first uh uh lgbt character officially LGBT character in the mcu and it's the the guy in the support group who like mentions that his husband died that's (laughs) that's that's it that's that's the representation
0: played by one of the directors which i feel like it's like this i feel like this is meant to mean something that you're playing the character but also maybe cast like a real actor like someone that, yeah. uh, that's yeah. like oh wow that's a notable actor playing a gay character talking about the loss of his husband but uh, yeah but yeah, yeah but don't
1: i guess yeah disney treats diversity like like uh easter eggs like yes. see if you can spot the diversity <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
2: um yeah i i cannot stand that that approach to it so you know i I, I, I sort of applaud the the Academy's intention, but I also am just like, yes, is this enough? And like, I really hope it doesn't result in this like box ticking type of inclusion. Uh, I uh,
0: oh, sorry. We what, uh, I, I, yeah.
1: What I'm mean, uh, I'm actually looking forward to. I don't know if you, uh, either of you saw we might uh, if we talked about it on the uh, on the podcast. So a few years ago, MGM resurrected the Orion label. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that's been, like, uh, things like uh, they had the, earlier this year, they had the Gretel and Hansel movie, and then last year they had the Chalice Play remake and Prodigy. It's been a lot of, a lot of like, uh, Blumhouse-style, like, low-budget horror type of stuff, but they announced that they're revamping the Orion label uh, to be, of like, a diversity brand essentially and 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 um you know putting a uh, a black woman in charge of it um and that seems to be maybe more more like along the lines of the thing that you were talking about Tyler it right, coming from from the studio um yeah. and I am very um uh, ex- excited about um what 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 Orion represents in in years to come. I'm also I will admit I know some of this because I know people at Orion who are losing their jobs next month because of that, uh, which is sad. But I'm uh, very uh, uh, very eager to see what what happens with that.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, in a way, I guess part of me just feels like I don't know. Maybe this is this is the right lane part of me. But it's just like let just if a studio just wanting to you know if it wants to respond to like a cultural conversation decide like this is what we do now like good for them like that maybe yes i'm sure it's just as much a financial decision as anything else but uh but good for them for deciding they want to be that and if somebody else wants to if another studio decides like we're going to do our own thing we're going to make whatever movie we want and if another studio says like we're not making movies with any message at all. We don't care. Uh, good for them as well. Like I'm, I'm just fine. I'm fine with anybody doing whatever they want to do. But like you said, like anytime, I'll, I'll, frankly, anytime anything gets prescriptive, I tend to not be thrilled about it um, because it just feels like it's like, it's, it's inviting, at least at first it's inviting an artificial passion for something you know um and i remember this was many years ago um the 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 uh, oscar campaign for 12 years a slave and uh i remember our writer uh, rita talked about this uh at one point i think in an article in which she said that like there was an ad that said like it's about time i was like about time what are you talking about and what they're basically saying is like hey there's a movie about slavery you're not in favor of slavery, are you, you know? And, <laughs> and it's just one of those things that like, it's, it, you know, the studio is like, I won't put anything past them. Is it like, if it means they get money or prestige, they'll play into anything they want if they're not, even if they're not passionate about it. And so I do feel like once you start like getting prescriptive and using some level of force or some level of requirement uh, to arrive at a certain place, I feel like all that's going to do is, again, at least for the first, the first few years is going to get people just angry or frustrated that they're in that place, or they'll just do it in a really half-assed way.
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, you're, um, you're not in favor of slippery thing. Remind me of that great old uh, Todd Glass bit about how the airlines made all sorts of arbitrary changes after 9-11. And then if you complain, it's like, what are you, for 9 9-11? <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. Uh but anyway, that was just something that we wanted to uh, address because it was brand new news. But uh what we actually want to talk about is not any more really any more lighthearted than than that. Uh yeah. uh but um uh, uh uh what sort I'm looking for? It's a quandary that uh that many of us are facing, especially uh professional uh critics uh like Katie who write for such esteemed papers as the same as post-dispatch. <laughs> uh, um, the, the question on the table here here is that, that uh, you know, every, every week we write reviews uh, of movies and, and those reviews are sometimes positive And there's a certain element, or I guess the question is, is there a certain element uh, of criticism that is telling you whether or not you should go see a movie? And right now we live in a time, uh, especially in the United States, where I feel like no one should be going to see a movie. I don't think that uh, that that the, there's there's any reason that what the, there's any movie that justifies the the risk to your personal health or the risk to the health health of others if you potentially have COVID and don't know it, um, especially since being indoors for long periods of time, uh, especially in enclosed rooms like theaters, like it just there's nothing about going to a theater right now that I endorse. So what are the ethics of writing a positive review of a movie like say bill and Ted face the music, which at least is available on VOD. But, uh, uh I didn't see unhinged. I don't know if Katie, if you saw unhinged. I did not.
2: <laughs> I did not. I, I, Oh, and speaking of marketing campaigns, their campaign has been absolutely unhinged if you will. Um, with like this machoistic sort of like, tell your friends I saw Unhinged in the theater. You know, my friend um, Andrew Wood saw it at the drive-in and he hmm. posted on Twitter about it. And then the official Unhinged Twitter account like responded to him and was like, here, post this badge on your profile that says, um, like, I saw Unhinged in the theaters. And like, he was like, I saw it at the drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just, th- their marketing campaign is... is kind of it ties into what you were saying before Tyler about like the prescriptiveness of it. Like there are going to be these people who are then like, Oh, well you told me I shouldn't go to the theater. Well, like, sure. I'm a super badass cause I'm mad movies in the theater. And it's like, okay, cool. Like get COVID to own the libs or whatever you want to, you know, say, but like, it's turned into this kind of like macho weird thing. And even going to see tenant has turned into this like kind of, Competitive, weird, like y'all are pussies if you don't go. Which, like, I hate using that word, but someone else put that out there. Another- oh, you are reading
0: my Twitter. That's the- <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, which I just think is is ridiculous and. You know, I've sort of been grappling with this idea of like, should I go see Tenet? I mean, it requires me to drive many hours <laughs> to go see, even get to a theater that's playing it.
1: What's the cl- Is San Diego the closest? Yeah, to there's us? like a,
2: a drive in playing it in San Diego. And I'm just like, I, I, I'm a, quarantining alone. So it would mean driving two hours by myself watching this movie by myself <laughs> driving back. by my- I'm like, I don't want to do that. And sometime
1: yeah. in there finding a place to pee. This is what I've been saying about the drive-ins all the time is that it's only as safe as the, as the bathrooms. And that's, that's what's kept me from going to, to, to drive-ins is like, I'm not going to go an hour out to, to, uh, uh, Montclair. the mission Tiki drive in Montclair. Yeah. I'm not going to drive an hour to Montclair, watch, uh, a, a feature like movie and get home and not, uh, I'm going to have to pee at some point.
0: Most Ralphs and definitely- Targets will let you use their bathroom.
1: Yeah, well, maybe back- I don't trust the Ralphs in Montclair. <laughs>
2: well,
0: we're, you know we're what, you're right. Back
2: outside peeing—that's what I'm doing. But okay. I, I also, I went to the Mission Tiki once, and I like, yeah, definitely did not go to the bathroom. My friends did, and I was like, you know, just at midnight, I'm like driving home as fast as I can, yeah. <laughs> not drinking any water. <laughs> What'd you see
1: at uh, Mission Tiki? Uh,
2: I went to see the vast of night. And I mm. stayed for Valley Girl. It was back in May. Yeah. And it was funny because I had already seen The Vast of Night, but I just was like, I just wanted to go to the the, the drive-in. And now I'm like, Ugh, who cares about the drive-in?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love The Vast of Night. Um,
2: yeah, great movie. And it was a fun movie to see at the drive-in. It was a good experience. Yeah um just to like go cuz i'd never been to the drive in before so it was a good experience but now i'm like eh, who cares <laughs> i did go to the rose bowl to see do the right thing at the drive in
1: oh, okay yeah i went to the, the yeah these little things that are like not official drive ins like mission Tiki, but little things are popping up all over my wife and i yeah. went to the the roof of the parking garage at the brand to yeah. see my big fat greek wedding <laughs>
2: Yeah, like they're they're, there's, uh, they're they're popping up a lot of different um, places. But yeah, I did the Rose Bowl one, which was like fun and you know it was it was worth it. It's also like not far. Like, yeah, exactly. Mission Tiki is like forty minutes with no traffic.
0: I have not been to a drive-in since the early nineties uh, in Ventura, and these are the three movies that I remember seeing at the drive-in: The Burbs, oh,
1: good
2: one,
0: Dick Tracy, another, and the, and the first Bill and Ted.
2: Oh man,
0: so that's not bad. Quite the
2: lineup. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that was three different trips. So that was a it was a triple feature. Uh, I do. I, I don't. I think it might have been Bill and Ted and the Burbs. I might be wrong about that, but one of them was a double feature. Uh, and then I think that I think the, it was those two on the same night or whatever it was. That
1: makes sense because they're both eighty nine, right? Am I right? Both Is that 89? true?
0: Uh, that sounds right to me. And Dick Tracy's uh, so Dick ninety Tracy's or ninety one ninety. Ninety. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So that was that was fun, and that's the last time I uh, went to a drive-in. Not that I'm opposed to it, it sounds fun, but uh the one thing I remember even as even as a kid I was just like this doesn't sound very good. Uh I don't think the sound was pre- I, you know they had the the little speakers that you hang on your window back then and uh it wasn't the best.
2: Yeah, you have to do it through the um car radio now and no. um or like at the Rose Bowl you could listen on your phone through uh the 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 like an app like a safari or whatever. Hmm. Um but the people next to me at the Mission Tiki, um, they just burned their car battery out and had to get a jump. Yeah. Because um, you just tune into it on, like, the radio station. And so I have a hybrid, so I could kind of, like, turn my car on and off to, like, manage the battery. But it was kind of challenging. Um, so, and the people next to me had to get a jump. So I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's um,
1: exactly where I went with my wife. That's the reason we took her car is because she has a hybrid. And I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, didn't trust my battery.
2: Yeah, so you—it's definitely—you know—it's not super easy. Uh, the peeing situation, the car battery situation, um, and yeah, like you know, people put their headlights on and 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 uh, the sound and all that. But we're not talking about the driving,
1: right? No, yeah. I, I, so uh, my question uh, is to to Katie: When you're writing a review of a movie, are you? Uh, are you aware while you're writing the movie this is playing in theaters this is playing on vod this is playing both and do you uh... i'm highly
2: aware of it and it's something that i am talking about with my editor a lot um especially this summer there were all these random films that were like yes we're definitely opening in theaters july 12th or something like that and i write the publicist and i'd be like because the dates have been changing like crazy i mean you guys all know that but even like on these smaller titles they're just all over the place um you know not even your your bonds and your tenants are the other films are as well like uh the rizzas cutthroat city um which only opened theatrically and it was like changing dates every week but um you know i ultimately like i'm only writing two full reviews a week and so i am kind of to picking and choosing um, in, in that sense. Like I didn't review Unhinged, but um, I, th- there are getting to be some really good films that I do want to review. And my editor is starting to say, because I do, you know, my, my reviews go to the whole country. She's like, yeah, the, uh, they, they want, this is what they want. They want, like this week it was Broken Hearts Gallery and like last week, or the week before, a couple weeks ago, was uh, the personal history of David Copperfield that were mm-hmm. only opening in in theaters and drive-ins. Um, and I do feel like I have to kind of write in the review like you can skip this one. I think you can skip any movie, personally. You know, wh- r- like I'm totally on your side, David, in the sense that like I don't think people should be going to theaters right now. And uh, like I'm like. Any movie you can wait for. You do not have to run out. It's just a movie. Like You do not have to risk your life um, to see a movie. So I do sort of bake in some um, uh, context of, you know, this is not one you, you, you should be running out to see this weekend um like even broken hearts gallery which is this like great like cute rom-com i really enjoyed and i was i was saying i'm like in my review you know this is a big rom-com that's got great production design it looks really good um but it will play on the small screen because i watched it on a link um on my tv and i'm like it will play on the small screen the same way that it'll play in a big screen so it's tough i mean i have grappled with it a lot and there's been a lot of essays written by other critics about the the question of whether or not we should be reviewing stuff that's playing only in theaters and um like ultimately there was a a piece in the la times between justin chang and glenn whip where they were discussing the the theater whether or not to 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 recommend people see things and Justin made the point that like criticism, it should sort of, I mean like you, criticism needs to exist in relationship to a piece of art, but it can also be its own piece of art. So like um, engaging with these films and discussing these films, you know, maybe you, you put it in your back pocket and you say, Oh, that movie sounds great. You know, I'm going to check it out in three months when it's on VOD. you know, it's just about still having the conversation about these pieces of work and not just being like recommendation this or that. It's more like, how can we, how can we, and it's made me more sort of conscious about my writing, which is like, it's not just like, go see it, don't go see it. It's like, how can I engage with this movie in my writing that makes it like a useful piece of writing um, that's worth reading even if you don't go see the movie. Like Justin was saying that he used to read reviews of films that he wouldn't see um, when he was younger. And that's sort of what got him into film criticism. So I just have sort of made the the decision that there are some markets that are not in California where things are like on fire right now. I mean, literally, (laughs) and in terms of the virus, where movie theaters are open and it's probably safer to go The editors of those papers are craving those reviews or they are, you know, desiring those reviews. And maybe, you know, in three months when the movie comes out on VOD, that piece of writing will still be relevant. So that's just my justification for it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's... uh, 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 Sorry that uh, that speaks to the deeper question that you were bringing up about that uh, the LA Times thing uh, uh of like what is criticism for like yeah. it, like it, it, I I know I'm not the average movie consumer I'm like a, a uh, I mean, and not just now my entire life. I'm a, you know, rabid movie geek or whatever. But um, uh, like you were saying, uh, I always read reviews because I would find a critic or a publication that I liked, and it was part of the conversation. The idea of me, I never, like, read a review, like, all right, convince me to see this movie. Like, that's right. that's not how I engage with with reviews. And so I think subconsciously, uh, and also knowing who Battleship Pretensions' audience is. When I write movie reviews, I'm not really writing them in terms of a, like uh a recommendation or yes or no you know we don't do star ratings or thumbs up thumbs down or things like that yeah. at battleship pretension so i think of it as being part of the conversation i think of it uh if i'm being you know if i'm being uh if i have delusions of grandeur i'm thinking about for posterity for the archives yeah, like yeah, yeah. will this you know could this review uh uh you know this review is going to live on the website and we have reviews on our website We've been reviewing movies regularly since 2011, so we have almost a decade decade's worth of reviews on, on our website, and I still uh, uh, will return not just to my own, but, you know, reviews on our website, and reviews. Uh, if I watch a movie, that this, this is... The number one reason I use uh, Rotten Tomatoes as a consumer is not to see what the what the rating tomato meter says and decide not to watch a movie it's usually after i watch a movie i like yeah. to go and f- read a bunch of reviews if i like thought the movie was was interesting and so oh, what do people think when this came out or or how has this been reappraised over time um so uh i, I think on, on the one hand the, there's there's like a a cinematic critical purity i mean that says no that's not what a reviews for that's you know it's part of the conversation it's not but there i think there also needs to be like we're saying uh, an awareness on the part of the critics that some people some people might use it for that you know i i've really liked what the uh avclub.com is doing which is just the top there's a block in italics the top of every any review of movies playing in theaters that say, like says you know, the critics saw this in a social internet in a in a safe uh, uh, viewing situation, and here's a link to the statistics on going to see a movie in the theater. I, I really like that because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't in uh, uh, like I said for posterity, it doesn't uh, have any effect on the piece of writing yeah. <laughs> yeah. itself, but it still uh, uh, addresses the present situation and how someone might be. Yeah,
2: the be. AV Club has um, handled it really well. Um, the LA Times is also putting like a little note. That that says, like, please follow state and local health guidelines and, like, you know, make your own decision, I guess. But, like, uh, but I, I also, like, the AV Club had an interview with two scientists saying, like, how safe is it to go to the the movie theater? And both of them were, like, don't do it. And that was a good resource for me because I'm, like, I don't know. Is it safe? I don't know. But, Lena, you read this this piece by these two scientists, and they're just, like, yeah, no, don't do it. So, um you know i think obviously we have to make this situation livable for us because it's going on forever and ever but um and and that means you know not staying inside all the time like i fully believe we should be like getting outside seeing our friends in safe ways managing risk um doing socially distant hangs you know getting takeout whatever i mean i haven't gone to a restaurant yet because i just haven't felt like it but um you know we we have to still be able to to live our lives to a certain extent but you know and there's managed risk in all of that but i i'm reading something from the av club that says here are these two epidemiologists and they say don't do it i'm like yeah. okay that's clear guidance cuz that's something that we're lacking in this country is clear guidance
1: yeah 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 and that shows uh, i've uh, my my wife is a more social person than I am, and just generally has more friends than I do. Uh, and so she's been doing the socially distanced hangs and going out to uh, you know a couple of meals since before. I've only just started doing this with her. I've done uh, a couple times because um, there's places I can uh, walk to here in North Hollywood, um, and I would say the I still. I still get a little uh, paranoia, get a little anxiety while I'm there. Not because the restaurant is not following good rules; it's because you can't trust the other patrons. To you know, yeah. it, when I'm sitting there, if if a server is going to come up and ask me if I need anything, or, or you know, even if I've taken my mask off to talk to my wife or eat some food, I'm throwing my mask on when the server is coming up. Yeah. Other people aren't doing that. Yeah. And I don't. I'll uh, I also say, oh man, I got so mad uh there was um uh, uh there was a family father mother two sons sitting there and eating at a table across from us and uh the server came up only one member of the family put their mask back on can you guess which member of the family it was it was mom. of course the mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these yeah. dumb like just males in this country <laughs> uh, you know you're giving us a bad name you dumb idiots who are just like happily just like chomping their pizza you know and only the mom cares enough about this server who has to go talk to you know dozens of people every day at less than six feet distance like have some consideration anyway i needed to get that off my chest it's not yeah. uh, what we're talking about here but, but uh, it, it really ties angry. into
2: like you know you can't trust other people in the theater to like leave their mask on you know and and the rules are that people can take their mask off to like eat popcorn or whatever and so yeah. i think i would feel different if the rules were everyone leaves their mask on the whole time.
1: Yeah, but I think as we, I, Tyler, I think we were, I can't remember if we were saying this on the podcast or in just a personal conversation, like the reason an AMC Theaters wants to reopen is oh, yeah. to sell concessions.
2: Yeah, the concessions for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, when I, uh, we were doing the Movie Journal a few weeks ago and I was talking about watching uh, Words on Bathroom Walls, which I really liked and I thought it was a great Uh, you know, sort of a, a nice gateway into, into talking about mental illness for a group, uh, you know, younger people who may not be comfortable talking about it or may not know how to talk about it. And so I really thought it was a great movie on a number of levels. Um, and I, you know, I just got a screener, and I hate to say it, outside of, outside of embargoes, I don't really pay much attention uh, to what the release situation is. I just assume that it's going to be streaming somewhere. And so I reviewed it, again, not from the standpoint of recommendation, just from the standpoint of I like this movie for the following reasons. And so as I was talking to, uh, as we were talking on the movie journal, I mentioned that like, oh, this is a really great movie for the following reasons. And then I said, I highly recommend it because it's, it's just something that I'll throw out verbally that I tend to not incorporate into a review. And that's when David said, he goes, but it's, he goes, it is in theaters. So like, we should give a a thing. And I was like, that didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that it would be in theaters for a number of reasons. One is like, why, why is that movie in theaters? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, It's a perfectly fine film. And I mean, it's a very good movie and visually it's very interesting and I'm sure it would look great in a theater setting just as almost any other film would, but it really doesn't need to be in theaters and, so it was it wound up being frustrating to me on a few levels one is just like this is a movie i want people to see and put you know what even putting aside the idea of health risks there are some states where you can't see it so like now i'm in this position of like like thinking about stuff that i didn't that i didn't want to have to be thinking about i just want to talk about the movie which is still which is fine you know there's a there's a uh Sorry guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Milton Friedman, but uh, there was, he was, he was on uh, Donahue in like 1980 and, and Donahue asked like, hey, has, has, you know, President-elect Reagan asked you to be part of his, if, if President Reagan asked you to be part of his like economic advisory team, would you accept? And Milton Friedman said uh, he did ask me, and I said no because when you're an economist, you're free to talk about the way things should be. But once you get into politics, you have to change the way you talk to what is feasible, which is perfectly fine. He goes, but he goes, I'm much more comfortable doing what I'm doing here, and that's kind of how I feel like how I feel as a film critic. It's like yes, you and like you know the three of us have opinions about the industry, we have opinions about exhibition, all that sort of thing. But when it comes right down to it what we do and I think it's up to each individual critic how much they want to be engaged in the the very real ramifications of seeing in a movie seeing a movie in a theater right now but in the end I again yes to get kind of lofty I do feel like this situation sooner or later will end and but the movie will continue yeah and the review will continue and so uh, but it also does speak to just the kind of you know katie i think probably because you're writing for like you know a reputable outlet as opposed to battleship pretension um (laughs) you know so you might you might you know your your editor might want you to think more in terms of recommendation as opposed to the two of us who can just talk at length for 704 fucking episodes about whatever we want at any point um and and so i do think that of course. It's up to each individual critic, but every critic also has different considerations, including the outlet that they write for. And so uh, all that is to say that, like, it's 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 sort of murky, but I I'm I'm perfectly fine if if a critic, if a critic, if a critic actually actively wants to say this is a great movie and I think people should see it. I'm perfectly fine with them adding the caveat when they are able to or when it is safe, you know.
2: Yeah, I I think for me, like I do ha- really take into consideration like my outlet and my um audience. And I always take that into consideration no matter what. Like I'm I can like when I came up I was writing on the playlist and I could just use slang and swear mm-hmm. words and there's all these times where I'm like, "Ugh, what's a synonym for bullshit?" and like, <laughs> you know, that I can put in the newspaper because hogwash <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> and, and um, you know there's certain like one time in one of my very first reviews i wrote I, I i also have to write the family guide um which is just like is there boobs and shooting in this or whatever and um i wrote pubic hair and my editor changed it to body hair so i'm very wow. aware <laughs> that um I have to be much more conservative in my language, but I also am very aware that um, I do think people are reading the newspaper more often than not to get a recommendation. And I think your audience is probably reading your website because they like you and they like your takes and they like what you have to say about movies. And it doesn't necessarily matter if they're gonna watch it or not. Yeah. So I'm like very highly aware that I have to be like, mm. don't go to the theater, like, um, If you are, uh, like, for whatever reason, you know, so I I, I try to sort of, like, bake that into the writing as well, but I also don't want to be, like, put these, like, I want the reviews to live forever, so I don't want it to be, like, all about coronavirus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, like, in the Broken Hearts Gallery review, you know, I just said, like, it plays really well on the small screen, so please take that into consideration, and use caution when you are deciding how to watch this movie. But it does, it it stinks because like my, um, I have a really good friend who watches a ton of movies and she loves rom coms and is always looking for rom coms to watch that her husband might want to watch with her. And I'm like, Oh, you love this movie. It's so cute. Sorry. You guys can't watch it. Yeah. Until whenever it comes out in three months or something. So it is, yeah, it's been kind of fun for everyone to be able to participate in all of the movie culture if it's all vod and streaming and uh it, it it's awkward and weird to have to kind of now that some of them are not i yeah. don't know it's yeah, so strange. Actually, like our world has changed so much in like six months i think uh, so much
0: of my i think a lot of it at the core of this i'm just angry that this is a that this is a thing i don't yeah. necessarily mean coronavirus obviously i'm angry that's a thing but that that theaters are even open right now. I love movie theaters. There's like, it's, yeah. it is clearly it's, it's become very clear to me. It's a thing I do to relax. I will go and see a movie by myself. Even if I'm not that interested in the movie, I'll go just because I enjoy the, the ritual of it. Uh, so I, and I'm, I'm missing movie theaters yeah. very, very, very much. That said, it just feels like, you know, it's like there are so many situations where people are packed into an enclosed room and those aren't open yet. Uh, So why is this happening? And so why, you know, and, and it also just, it just leads to a situation where like there are people who can't be part of the conversation now and that's unfortunate. And it just, I don't know, it feels like, yes, I understand there's money to be made and and all that, but not nearly as much as if you were to wait. Uh, And and you also can't allow, you know, I can't talk about tenant, which is not frustrating to me. It's more just like, wouldn't you, the studio or you, the filmmaker, wouldn't you like everybody to be able to talk about your movie at the same time, as opposed to like this sort of like a, I don't know, almost like a smash and grab situation yeah. uh, that they're doing right now. And so I'm just frustrated at even, even having to have this conversation right now.
1: Well, yeah. a, a couple of things. First, Tyler, because I I, uh, I I sympathize with your um, using movies to relax. Might I recommend watching baseball? Because baseball's back without fans in the audience, so you can feel uh, good about that. I've watched more baseball this season than I have since I was, like, uh, in high school, maybe. Since, like, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were competing for the home run uh, record. So, uh, watch baseball. It's very relaxing because it's very slow. Hockey was also – hockey's also back, but uh, I don't watch hockey to relax. I get very – yeah, I'm talking about hockey, but uh, yeah. So I recommend watching baseball anyway. But the other thing I was going to say though about, uh, I think you guys both brought up the idea that movies are opening some places and not others, and that uh, you know some pe- the, the the availability is is not uh, uniform. And one of the highlights or uh, silver linings, I guess, of of the lockdown has been these virtual cinemas in which because what used to happen with art house films is it was Pre-Corona, that's what was happening. They were opening in LA and New York, and then they yeah. slowly make their way across the country. You'd be like maybe if you lived in St. Louis, say, uh, you could see it at the at the Plaza Front Neck uh, right. two or three months after um, uh, after it had opened in in LA and New York. It was fun that 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 movies that would normally have had that sort of release schedule were opening worldwide through uh, the virtual cinemas. But that brings me. To an example of my next layer of this question, to get to sort of move beyond COVID, uh, one of the reviews that I, uh, one of the movies that I reviewed uh, early, uh, earlier on in the in in the pandemic, or I, I don't know, time means. I, and nothing to me anymore. I can't even remember yeah. when this movie came out fairly recently uh, or, or fairly early on, uh, was waiting for the barbarians, which not only stars Johnny Depp who has his own baggage, but is directed by Ciro Guerra. It's the English language debut of Ciro Guerra. Uh, and uh, he's a Colombian filmmaker who has had eight or nine women, uh, come, uh, come forward and, and make, uh, some very heinous, uh, accusations about his behavior, um, both on set and at, um, at film festivals. Um, and it sort of weirdly got me thinking along the same lines is like like i thought waiting for the barbarians was a good movie what are the ethics of recommending it when there's also this i go back to uh 2017 i guess is when or 2016 i was uh uh, I was as surprised as anyone to find that I liked the movie Wonder Wheel. I was one of the few people who that I know who did like it. But I also made sure when writing a review to say, like, I don't think it's worth this. You know, we're supporting the the things that this filmmakers uh, accused of. If you do choose to go to see, see it. You know, here's a link to a place you can uh, donate to the uh, mm. uh, the rape abuse and incest survivors network or, or, or whatever and I've actually carried that through and anytime I watch a movie now that uh, stars M.L. Mel Gibson or is directed by Guerra or whatever I uh, whether I paid to see it or not I uh, now make a donation to offset and I'd still I think I'd, I did mention that in my waiting for the barbarians review but um, I, so with with covid you're talking about a physical uh health risk what do you guys what what are your feelings on recommending a movie that might pose a risk to someone's i don't know soul or or, or her morals or ethics
2: that that's a tough one too and i i think it's super admirable that you include the rain link um donation i well that's have, why i
1: do it so people think i'm admirable
2: mom. <laughs> my um well clap, clap, clap. Here you go. Um, but you. I, uh, I, this is a tough one because I, it's like the art artist separation. For me, I can only separate the art from the artist when the art does not reflect the bad things that the artist is accused of. So I didn't like Wonder Wheel. And I think, I mean, because I think it's bad, but I also like, I think it, <laughs> embodies woody allen's like hatred of women aging and mm-hmm. his like disdain for women aging and i'm like well he obviously like every single woody not every single woody allen movie, but a lot of his movies show his predilection for young women of which he is accused of molesting young women so or coercing coerce coercion or whatever you know and I So that's why I'm like, okay, his bad s- stuff is getting into his art. And like um, in in, for example, Birth of a Nation, Nate Parker, I saw the film. I thought it was very good. And then all the accusations came out. I saw the film again before I reviewed it. And I'm like, there are three rapes in this movie. And there's no discussion of rape in the actual um, story, the historical story that he was telling. So he's inserting it. I mean, we can assume based on accounts of slavery that um, women of the black women were being raped, enslaved women were being raped and sexually abused. But I'm like, you were put on trial for rape with the co-writer of your movie. Why the fuck are you guys inserting rape into this film in such a like ostentatious way. And I felt I had to write about that and say, Nate Parker was accused of rape. He was put on trial for rape. The woman has committed suicide. Why are there so many fucking rapes in this movie? As motivation for his character specifically.
0: It does sort of feel like in your review, you should say like, I didn't really like these guys' previous collaboration. Uh, I'm not really liking this one either.
2: Yeah, Um, I just, it was just something that I was like, that was like a glaring thing to me. And I did not feel that I could like write about the movie without saying, Hey, this is what happened. And this is in the news. And like, I'm not going to write a bad review of this movie because of stuff that happened in the past that he was accused of, but like it relates to the content of the film. So I don't know, like there have been times where I've I've reviewed something with Johnny Depp in it or something and I've been like, oh, do I even say what the heck is going on with Johnny Depp? But it, it, if the film itself doesn't occasion that I write about that, if there's no reason for me to write about that, then I then I don't feel like I have to shoehorn it in. But it is something that it weighs on my mind.
1: Tyler, yeah. my guess is that you are less aware of uh, the uh, histories of the filmmakers and, and stars than, than than I am. Why do you say that? Because you tend to be a very like focused on what's on the screen type of oh. type of guy uh and also i know that you uh checked out of film twitter like three or four years ago for good and i'm still envious of your ability to do that
0: (laughs) i know yeah well and you know what the fact that you're not checked out of it makes it easier for me too because i know like if there's any development you'll bring it up it's fine okay um (laughs) but uh no i do think i i definitely see where you're coming from katie which is You know, I'm I'm all for in a larger sense, like separating the art from the artist, because as we mentioned before, like the art is going to outlive the artist. And it's it's possible that uh someone who is a terrible, terrible person can still have tremendous insight into the human condition, which is uncomfortable to realize (laughs) that like, you know, someone who's lived a perfectly upright life might actually have nothing interesting to say. Um, which is like I don't like the idea of that, but I do think that like You know, as you mentioned, when they when their art really reflects that, you know, you look at stuff like Roman Polanski and you look at the event, like even if you didn't know anything about his life, you look at his movies and you're like, something's going on here. Like something something has happened to this man uh, many, probably many times over. And if you look at, you know, in some cases, like persecution from Nazis and then like the Manson family and then an argument could be made he is perceived as being persecuted by the world because of the natural just consequences of his actions but either way like it's clearly a guy who ha- who thinks in terms of an individual against a, a large group of people and so his, you know, his films just like Woody Allen's, just like Mel Gibson's, just like really any of these filmmakers, for the most part, any auteur, I would say, it's going to reflect um, who they are and their preoccupations. And if those preoccupations are unfortunate, then you can't really escape it. And I, so I think it's perfectly okay to incorporate. Conversation, you know, aspects of who this person is into your review, and and it could be like the movie's really great if for no other reason because it gives you a portrait into the mind of a very flawed if not detestable human being and sometimes that is a uh, good i think it's sometimes good to see how certain people see the world um but i know that for my for myself like especially when it comes to roman polanski yes of course i've seen movie, movies that he's made i saw you know the pianist and, and carnage and various other movies uh but i often feel really conflicted about it because i think in terms of like if if he had not evaded justice, these movies wouldn't exist. Like if mm. justice were being served, mm. then, you know, like it's only because an injustice is happening that I'm, that these movies exist at all. And so it feels wrong on principle that, that I should see them, but it's like, but the fact is this is a, this is a, an unjust world. They are out there. People are talking about them. So I guess I'll see them and talk about them. And, but I, I definitely feel conflicted about it, especially once you realize that from a few, a few different standpoints, one is that like going to see a, a Roman Polanski movie, paying to see it, or, or even just reviewing it favorably, which could f- cause other people to pay to see it. That is money that will allow him to continue to evade ju- uh, justice. And then the flip side of that is, you know, you wonder how did Brian Singer operate for so long that there have been rumors for 20 fuck- plus years uh about what he did and it's like yeah he kept making a lot of money for studios it was he was commercially viable and so people so hollywood looked the other way so it's it's and even though i like a lot of the movies that he's made uh it's one of those things like who's to say that my you know my recommendation of x men 2 which is a, a i love it it's a great movie but who's to say my recommendation didn't cause not that I was reviewing movies at the time, but, you know, in a, in a larger sense, didn't cause pe- like more people to see it, which then made him in the eyes of Hollywood, like it made it's like, yes, we can, because he can uh, benefit us so much, we can look the other way on these other things. Whereas maybe if he, if his movies didn't make so much money, uh, they'd be like, yeah, you know what? We're not hiring this guy anymore and putting more people in harm's way as a function of that. So I do, th- as as time has gone on, I do, I do take it a little bit more seriously, realizing that there are that yes, the film exists and it will continue to exist, and that's that's fine. You can engage with it on that level, but there are real world consequences to recommending a movie one way or another. I don't think that will stop me from doing it, but it is something that's on my mind.
1: And Tyler, from from you and I, your and I, your and my point of view, and that's sure how sure. to phrase that. Um, that's been even more on my mind over the past two years or so since we've been on Rotten Tomatoes because sure. uh you know battleship retention sort of existed and with its within its own bubble for so long like Katie you were saying, people who were reading it were our readers but now what I've learned is that when i uh if I write something like uh, well, I think uh, smart people like me and Katie who didn't like Avengers Endgame, uh, suddenly you get a lot of people who aren't normal Battleship Pretension uh, writers or readers. Um, uh, and, you know, that's when you see coming. There was a recent one we talked about in the podcast that I didn't see coming because I saw Cuties way back at Sundance and oh liked boy. it and wrote a positive review of it, not being able to predict that... Months later, Netflix would have a very ill-advised ad, ad campaign, <laughs> and a lot of people who are clearly not regular readers of Retention dot com uh, are giving me shit, both on the website and on Twitter, calling me a pedo, a oh, pedo, and stuff are? like that.
2: You're oh my god!
1: Uh, I mean, not, it, it hasn't been that bad, but I've I, I got called a pedo on Twitter a couple of times.
2: The again, that? you've been
1: re-
0: you've been reading my Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know
2: <laughs> that that I don't even know what to call it. That that scandal that kerfluffle that tempest is one of the worst things i have ever seen just like <laughs> the way people are reacting to it and it's like i mean of netflix made a humongous mistake um and it sucks that it has to happen to this movie which i have not seen um but it's also just like linking up with this like q like save the children kind of conspiracy theory minded people. And I'm just like, that is just like the worst combination.
1: <laughs> Perfect storm. Yeah.
2: Perfect storm. And it's like all these people who just like don't, wouldn't understand the nuance of like this movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. And anyway. people who, cause yeah, like on Facebook, I'm part of various like Christian groups who of course are not uh, opposed to occasional uh, pearl clutching about uh, what Hollywood is doing. And uh and yeah, I also have not seen Cuties, but I had read David's review and I knew that like okay, this is an issue with the marketing and what, not yeah. with the film itself. But people, and of course the three of us know that and we very we are very familiar with the idea that a film can be absolutely mismarketed and and that will wind up coming down on the film, not on the studio that mismarketed it. Right. And so um and so like I, I was in a position having not seen the film of saying like when people in these various groups would be like, I can't believe what Netflix is doing. You should sign this petition. I'd be like, and I would say like, what I've heard is that the movie itself is actually very anti this, uh, but Netflix didn't do it. Right. And then they'd say like, it's like, yes, but if they, if, if that image is even there, then it glorifies it. And like, they shouldn't even have an image like that to work with. And it's like, okay, you know what? It's
2: yeah. You're not going to the
0: industry different. You're not
2: going to win that argument. Um, but yeah that, that just that i kind of like sort of briefly looked at the replies at, uh on twitter to something and i was like this is crazy and i'm not going to even go further so i'm sorry you're getting all of that david it's uh, it's
1: it seems to have died down but yeah I, again there's no way i could have predicted that through the happenstance of me being uh you know one of the 14 of the twenty people who reviewed it at Sundance, to, or at least yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, to have given it a positive review. That months later, that would uh, that would come back to 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 bite me.
2: Yeah, so. you definitely become aware. Uh, I mean, I've been a uh, you know, I, I have been on Rotten Tomatoes for a long time, but also like just like once you get to like a bigger stage, you're just like, oh, this is there's consequence to yeah. what i'm saying
0: there is, uh this is something that i mean i've i've talked about it on here before but i on rotten tomatoes i was one of the few like negative, uh, one of the rotten uh ratings for toy story 4 and one of the things i said is it just like felt like it didn't really it just didn't work for me and it just felt like it didn't quite fit with the other three and only later no one no one ever mentioned this but i myself realized like the only it's like Oh, it's the first of the Toy Story movies not made by John Lasseter, you know, and so it's like so that might explain why it feels differently. But you know, would I prefer that John Lasseter still be there making <laughs> Toy Story movies? Uh, the answer would be no. Um, but yeah, I, I realize like oh, I guess uh, I guess he and I guess he has a, a dynamic I really respond to, uh, <laughs> apparently.
2: <laughs> I mean, but like. That's just correlation.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's something you know. <laughs> it, it's it never hurts to take notice of things and be like, right. all right, maybe there's something going on here that uh, right,
2: right.
0: You know, but uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely true. Like once we uh, got on Rotten Tomatoes, it it did make a difference, and it it goes back to you know I I mean I grew up. And I guess it speaks to probably there's, there's probably true of, of, of every critic is that they look to other critics differently and growing up or when they were younger, whatever. Uh, they used critics differently. I myself, my dad and I watched Siskel and Ebert all the time. And I myself, like I knew I, I usually knew when I was going to see a movie or not. Mm-hmm. And I would just enjoy hearing them talk about it. whether they liked it or not, just their level of passion and the type of conversation they would have was very exciting to me. I usually didn't care much about the thumbs up or thumbs down. Turns out they didn't care that much about it either. Um, in fact, they quite resented it after a while, (laughs) but, uh, you know, that to me is like, that was the invigorating part. But then I realized like, yeah, a lot of people actually are looking to critics to know whether or not they should see this thing. And, uh, and I think that's, again knowing your audience is important and like for bp like that's not why our our readers or listeners are paying attention so that actually gives us a a fair amount of of freedom but uh but yeah Yeah. like siskel and ebert i still go back and and watch their reviews having already seen the film and i still take tremendous pleasure in listening to them talk about it
2: that's kind of the problem with rotten tomatoes though is like it just flattens everything and like i appreciate it as an aggregator like you were saying i think david that like after you see a film you go on and you're like what did people say about this and like i look at it as like oh like i'm gonna go click on this review and read the whole thing people are not reading and that's why like the crazy cuties people yeah. probably did not read your review they just looked at the fresh or rotten mm-hmm. and that's the thing that drives me insane why people will at me on twitter why did you give this a fresh why did you give this a rotten why did you give daddy daycare two and a half stars and you gave this two? And I'm like, why are you comparing these? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe I'd like Mark Wahlberg. Sorry, problematic much. But, you know, speaking of separating the art from the artist, like yeah. people get so mad at me for enjoying the work of Mark Wahlberg.
1: Um, <laughs> he's, your, he's your problematic fave.
2: I probably yes, and and like yeah. <laughs> I got actually a fellow film critic like f- fucking flamed me over that. Hmm. one. Yeah, it was it was bad. I mean, no names will be named. Oh, sure. um, but <laughs> off off on on a sure. different when we're not recording. Um, How about
0: this? Anytime someone speaks ill of another critic, but we don't give them the name, let's all just assume it's Jeffrey Wells. Um, <laughs> yeah, just on yeah, principle, yeah. it's always yeah, best exactly. to assume the worst about him.
2: Yeah, um, but. Uh, we totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry about Mark Wahl. You're just
0: thinking about Mark <laughs> <laughs> No, but just—I don't blame you. Yes, the <laughs>
2: utilization of of Rotten Tomatoes as a uh, recommendation engine, and this is fresh, and this is rotten, and this has 2.5, and this has four, and this is da 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 da. Like, I mean, I it gets into the whole, and this whole thing gets into the question of just like what is the what is criticism, what is the use of criticism. Yeah and i don't really spend that much time thinking about star ratings but i have to give one and uh i like i like i have a letterbox now and i'm i wrote in my bio i do not care about star ratings and i i do give things star ratings but it's just like it's very meaningless to me and i think about it for 2 seconds whereas i think about the words that i'm writing in the review much more and i'm sure you guys do the same and that's good criticism um because it's not just like green light, red light kind of thing. But I do have friends who, like, I have a good friend who's like, oh, I don't see anything that is, like, lower than 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, which Hmm. I think is, like, okay, maybe it helps you, like, save some money at the theater. You know, this was before uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID. But, Hmm. um, you know, the way that the algorithm works is it, like, it takes something like, you know, Darren Aronofsky's mother, which I thought was amazing, and you get all of the negative reviews and then all of the positive reviews and then you just smush them together and you get like 65. And it's like so basic, you know what I mean? This is why
1: I've said this before that uh, so many of my favorite movies end up with Rotten Tomatoes Tomatoes scores in the 60s and 70s because in order for a movie to get 80, 85, 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, it kind of has to be kind of like anodyne. Like if, if, if a movie's too challenging, too many people are not kind of like it. this is why i mean this is why marvel movies always get in the 90s because they're like right. they're like fun competently made and not yeah. challenging like everyone at least kind of likes a marvel movie and that's right. why they end up being 96 or whatever whereas yeah. something like personal shopper like one of my favorite movies of the last decade mm-hmm. comes in at like 67 or or, or whatever because it's right. a challenging work
2: yeah exactly so anything that's polarizing or challenging or like you know someone's going to be like i don't get it like That might be, I mean, I love Personal Shopper too, and it's like, you know, such a singular work. And and so it ends up with these like really blah scores because you're just like, oh, it's like mashing everybody together into this like flattened average.
1: Well, I, you guys, I think we did it. I think we,
2: uh, yeah, we summed
0: up the entire topic. As always, as always we've nailed it. Put uh, a nice yeah. pin in it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ending with Personal Shopper. Yeah. Please, please do not go to the theater, but rent that movie. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you can find us at BattleshipPretension.com. You can email us at David at or Tyler at You can follow me, Davey, on Twitter at DavyPretention. You can read my review by the time you're hearing this you can read my review of i am woman um which i don't recommend you see in a theater um do i recommend you see it eventually i don't know because as of this recording i haven't watched it yet uh uh, but that'll be up by the time you hear this uh tyler you can follow on, on twitter at tyler pretension tyler do you have anything to plug right now
0: uh, not right now. Just, uh, again, as always, uh, my, my documentary, real redemption, the rise of Christian cinema currently st- sitting at 100% on rotten tomatoes with the requisite minimum of five reviews, but I'll take what I can get. That's great. Thank you.
2: I actually, I would love to watch that. I'll have to check it out.
0: Okay.
1: Well, you can great. get a free, uh, trial to uh no but if you sign up for a free trial to faith life tv you can watch it and then cancel your free trial before it charges you that's how i watched it that's right you can Uh, do that i
2: i've I've ended up reviewing a lot of christian movies for tribune and they're fascinating
0: that's that's a good word for it yes they are fascinating
2: (laughs) some of them are really bad some of them are not so bad um which ones do you think are not so bad I actually really liked the one where Chrissy Metz's son almost drowns in the frozen That's, pond. That's it's
0: definitely it's definitely one of the better ones. I I do incorporate that towards the end of the of the documentary about like the the ones that are starting to go in the right direction. That one's not bad.
2: Yeah, I um, thought that was better than a lot of the ones I had seen. So yeah, I enjoyed. It.
1: Tyler, did you ever post um, on the website your uh, uh, argument for? Christian cinema as a genre unto itself?
0: No, I should. I probably should. I saved that. I saved that that essay for um, the book that I put out worth watching. But now now that that's almost completely out of stock and I'm not going to restock it. uh, Yeah, I'll probably I'll I'll find the essay and post it on the website at some point.
1: Yeah, because that's really fascinating stuff. And if you watch something like The Case for Christ Mm -hmm. through that lens of like this is a genre picture and the genre is Christian movie, it's actually a really fascinating uh, uh, movie. So um, uh, yeah, check, check that out by, by worth watching uh, sure. <laughs> at, uh, yeah. more, more than one lesson.com. I'm guessing you can find that. Yeah.
0: S- uh, supplies are limited okay. to, I believe uh, six.
1: Okay.
2: And so, um, while they're hot.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's where you can find me and Tyler. Oh, I also reviewed the uh, screen factory Blu-ray of tales from the dark side, which I thought was a fucking blast. Nice. Um, Katie, where can people find you and your work on the internet?
2: Um, I am at Katie Walsh STX on Twitter and don't follow me anywhere else. Um, and, uh, keep your mind out of, no, just leave me alone. No, just kidding. You can follow me on Twitter for my unhinged tweets. Um, and, uh, they're not about the movie Unhinged, they're just unhinged. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm like, I feel like that you that?
0: should you should put that badge just after like every tweet and be like just a reminder <laughs>
2: <laughs> Exactly. Just a reminder, don't take anything I say seriously. Whenever someone's like, Oh, I read your Twitter, I'm like, oh God, don't don't yeah. do that. Why are you doing that? Um but yeah, Katie Walsh STX and um yeah I, I post links to everything i write there and and i'm writing streaming guides now for mm. tribune so that's been really fun to do during the pandemic is uh doing reviews of films but then i also do like a a, a themed streaming guide every week so stay home guys yeah anything you <laughs>
1: recommend uh uh what's a recent um, recommendation on the streaming guide
2: So this week, and this is actually really fun because my editor just is like, do whatever you want. So I just smuggle in all of my political beliefs and then they go to every newspaper all over the country. Um, So this week I themed my streaming guide around Unpregnant, which is streaming on HBO Max on Thursday night, um, which is a fun, delightful road movie about two best friends going to New Mexico to get an abortion. Um, But I wrote about other films that are by women that are about Reproductive rights. So I wrote about Never, Rarely, Always uh, Sometimes Always, which is an amazing film that yeah. came out earlier this year and is streaming. I wrote about Obvious Child. I wrote about Little Woods, which is an amazing movie by Nia DaCosta, um, about Tessa Thompson trying to take her sister to Canada to get an abortion. Okay. And um Nia DaCosta is, of course, directing the Candyman remake, which will come out at some point um and also this wonderful movie from earlier this year called saint francis that is just such a sweet movie um and uh, yeah just all movies about reproductive rights and women's lives and they're all by women so that got published wherever awesome. so i, I wonder that. if people will be yelling at me
1: <laughs> when, uh, uh, never rarely sometimes always currently sets my number one spot of uh movies of of 2020 or at least movies that have been released there is at least one movie oh uh, that uh is coming out soon that uh uh bests it um oh. and uh Kay, I'm, real- I'm realizing your your twitter handle the, the stx i'm guessing is a reference to st Croix where you are from yes right yes. That's but does anyone code. think does anyone ever think that you work for STX Entertainment? And have you ever, like, been accused of giving a good review to The Gentleman uh, because you're on the
2: payroll? Uh, well, I did not give The Gentleman a good review. <laughs> you
1: were uh, right not to.
2: I did give Hustlers a good review, <laughs> and I, sure. um, you know, championed J-Lo as much as I could. Um, no, I have not been excused of that, but people do often think I'm from Texas. They just hmm. see the TX. Oh, okay. As, like, Katie Walsh TX, so... That's okay. I like Texas. <laughs> Maybe
0: they think the S is possessive, so it's like yeah, Katie, Katie Walsh's, Walsh's Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a little, yeah. uh, little uh, mini series you're, you're hosting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah you It's like uh, uh, California's gold.
2: Texas. I'm like, I've only been to Austin. <laughs> oh, I don't know what else is here. <laughs>
1: we should you should really pitch that show katie walsh yeah
2: yeah yeah all right
1: okay well we had a lot of fun we're way off the rails great
2: thanks guys great to talk to you and catch up and yeah always fun to tangle about these issues with you too
1: yeah uh thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye
0: bye